Happier Work, Happier Life, episode 22. Thomas Wong here from Happier with Antoine Vitar, CEO and founder of Albert Technologies. Today we discuss employee engagement and how to push that from different levels in a company, how to find the right company when you're applying for a job, and tips and advice for those of you interested in the luxury retail industry. So if you're interested in any of these, tune in for this podcast. Thank you so much, Antoine, for joining us today. Um, can you give a quick intro about yourself? Uh, I'm Antoine, uh, founder and CEO of Albo Technology. I've uh, been living in, uh, in Hong Kong for about six years and uh, built a company over the idea of providing uh, software that were very useful uh, to employees following my experience in luxury retail in the Middle East, where I was trying to uh, get uh, knowledge and engagement through my population that was very dispatched. So coming to Hong Kong was a way for me to work on this idea mm -hmm. uh, and basically uh, develop technology that was useful uh, to employee and consistent with their everyday life. And I mean, your name's not Albert. Where, where did the name Albert come from? Uh, no, uh, I always say it's weird because people tend to call me Albert uh, because yes, it's a first name. It's not that common for a company, but I wanted to put some personality uh, in the company to have something that was in the middle of technology uh, and human. Why? Because we always, uh, not always, but we often find technology that is for the purpose of technology. So yes, on one side, we have to make the world evolve and create technology for technology. But when we talk about B2B, uh, what is our goal is to help employees. So it has to be a service. And Albert in France um, reminds of someone of service. So that was a quite in the common idea of things, Albert was a butler. And as you know, it's not so much of a common name now, it was easier to use it than to call it someone else that would be more common. So, Okay. And how did you end up starting your, your own company? I mean, you were in luxury retail. What was your career path? So yeah, I was in luxury retail uh, working with uh, Christian Dior for uh, several years. And when I left Dubai, I was uh, in search of a new adventure. Uh, I didn't know exactly why. And honestly, I didn't want to build a company from the beginning. Uh, I went to Hong Kong uh, with a consulting contract uh, with a training company aiming at helping them digitalize their business. And at the same time, I had a, a fashion brand that I wanted to develop. Uh, and I had another project in like orthotics uh, in 3D printing, which was completely different. And working on this consulting uh, contract, actually I developed uh, the app for a first client. And for whatever administrative reason, I could not work as a consultant for this uh, company. So I set up my own company to basically build and it kind of grew. And when we started to test the waters, so originally China, Korea, Singapore, uh, and Hong Kong, it picked up. It became bigger and in the end i have to say one day i looked back and i had a company with me and i was like okay so just let, let's go <laughs> yeah and what was that that moment where you were like okay i need to do my own thing ah okay so contrary to the common idea of entrepreneurs it never happened yeah i never really wanted to do my own things i was very happy with the boss and you know, I, I, I discussed a lot of students back at my university and one of the biggest factors for like building a company is to not be your own boss, uh, which is absolutely not why uh, I created a company. And I always tell them that it's not true because you always have a boss. 
being your investors, being your clients, you're not really free, except if you're a freelance designer or some uh, very specific uh, skills that need only you and you're totally independent from the market. But otherwise, it was not really a will to be my own boss or do my own thing. It was more the reason, like the biggest reason was I wanted to do something and I wanted to really push projects to the end. Uh, my biggest uh, restraint in corporate was that I thought that I had ideas that could help change the business and make it evolve. But when you are in a corporate structure that is pretty hierarchical, you can't make decisions on your own. And me, I was like, okay, I want to make decisions. Even though I'm going to fail, it's okay. I want to try. But of course, when you have reports, when you have people, you can't do that. So I was like, okay, well, let's try to do something. And if it fails, it fails. But at least, you know, make decisions, uh, move forward. And that was the other, yeah, the idea. So what advice can you share with people who are currently in corporate, who are thinking of starting their own company? To me, the, the big questions to ask yourself is, what do I want? You know, I always take this example uh, as a comparison, but when people think about what they want later in their life, they think about a house, they think about a country, they think about a car, they think about something, but they don't think why. And the reason why you want a house, maybe it's because you love to enjoy the sound of nature or you want to be alone somewhere and you don't want to be in the city. So to me, people who want to leave corporate, it's not to build a company, it's to live in a way that fits the entrepreneurial spirit. Because if people think that you're going to work less and be more free with a no company, <laughs> that's not freaking true. Uh, I'm working much more, I'm paid much less, but I love it. Uh, why? Because my, my whole idea of a company is to work closely with people, to be able to try and test a lot of things, uh, to be independent on that, to be listening to the clients, to be developing products that are helping, that are innovative. So definitely not for the whole purpose of, you know, like screw corporate and just be my own boss. <laughs> so speaking of your product, can you share about the key trends in your industry? I mean, before COVID... Um, during COVID and then maybe after, like what, what is the trend? I would say the biggest trend is that people are starting to think about people that are on the staff level. Uh, you know, a lot of development paths uh, are targeting mid-management or high management. That's where the most investment goes. Why? Because on the staff level, there is a high turnover, of course, and they are so far from head office that they are less of a concern. But when you end up, especially in retail, with all your stores closed, you have to think about all these people that are actually populating uh, your stores and making your day-to-day -day business. Uh, and you have to keep them happy and you have to keep them within the company. And it was very difficult, I think, especially for the retail industry and the service industry in general, COVID, because your, your bones are being attacked. Uh, the place where you're doing your business uh, every day and the people that are doing your business are left completely out of place to work. If you work in a hotel, you can't work from home, of course, because no one is in your hotel anymore. So it means you have no business at all. So I think it was a very, very difficult uh, time. Uh, for retail, especially for service, for hotels. And it's transforming. Uh, I think people are thinking more toward who are these people? Uh, they are not just numbers in a hotel, in a boutique. They are making our business. Uh, so to us, it becomes much more you know, relevant and important to engage these people. When these people became left alone, 
in a crisis where you had a flow of information from everywhere. Literally, you had one information a minute, uh, the other minute you have another information that is contrary to the first. And I'm like, okay, how do we communicate to these people? How do we engage them? Knowing that we are already very far from them, but now we are literally disconnected. So yeah, that's uh, trying to build some more regular and uh, meaningful connections uh, with their teams. So would you consider yourself more in mobile community, mobile location, uh, mobile learning, or what, what do you consider yourself? I would start from our strength. Uh, we started with mobile learning. Why? Because the problem that I discovered when I was back at Dior was that training material was not broadcasted at all. We had amazing training material, but no one would see it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to fix that problem. But then when we deployed the system, we realized that we had a very high retention rate. People would come every day on the platform at rates that were like over Instagram connection rates. We were like, okay, that's cool. It means that people like to come back on the platform. So then what can we do to optimize this time of the user? Because what everyone is looking at, looking after in the market is attention from these users. So we're like, okay, we asked the companies, okay, what can we do more? Because they come. So let's help them to find more resources on this app that can help. So that's how we bridged to mobile uh, engagement, employee engagement, because the main purpose of the app is that it's simple and interesting enough that people come back regularly. But then what we do with it, Oh, if you want to push HR content, if you want to push product content, if you want to push security content, well, it's okay. As long as the way you push it to your teams is adapted to them. Uh, today, there is a huge gap in between B2B technology and B2C technology. Huge investments are pushed into UX, UI for end users in the B2C. But in the B2B world, God, it's boring. So we're trying to bridge this and to bring the experience of B2C, what people deserve in the B2B world to create that retention because people want to come back on the platform. So I want to dive into employee engagement. It's such a hot topic now, especially with everybody working from home. How can people at different levels, entry level, mid, senior, um, how can they promote employee engagement during these times? I think... The first point, and that was the hardest point at the very beginning of the crisis, is to show you're there. Uh, people were, a lot, a lot of people were felt left alone because people were thinking in a room somewhere in the headquarter about what are we doing about COVID instead of taking action. To me, employee engagement means be there every day. Uh, show to your employees that you're doing something for them and that we are in the same boat together and we are helping each other perform. Because of course, staff level, mid-level, high level, everyone is participating to the success of the company. But if the company doesn't participate in the success of the employees, then the employees don't succeed. And then up, back again, the company can't succeed. So, I mean, a lot of the listeners, a good portion of them are young people. So maybe they may be too scared to bring up some initiative to improve employee engagement. How do you think they should approach that? I think it's a very challenging question. Uh, because we are a bit in the fights of generation at the moment, we are living a lot of change. The corporate world I joined is not the corporate world I'm in, and it's definitely not the corporate world that these people, younger people, we grow in. At the moment, I would say it's a bit of a question of fights. 
It's fight for the difference, fight for ideas, fight for initiatives, because people that are still blocking the way need to go. And they need to understand that at some point, we need to change the way we work. We need to change the way we bring ideas and we need to stop sitting on ideas for 50 years and telling the 20 year old person that has a wonderful idea, no, you're too young and not experienced enough. Because in the end, most business today are also targeting this population. So why someone who works for a company that is targeting people their age would have a worse ID than a 45, 50, 60 year old super experienced people, but who is completely disconnected from the market. So for me, it's, it's easy to say, hard to implement, but speak your mind. Uh, if you don't speak your mind and you keep your IDs anyway, nothing will happen. If you speak your mind and you understand that maybe it's not your place as it was designed, you have two choices. Either you leave the company and you find another job where you can express yourself, or you try and try and try until you get fired. <laughs> but it's just a question of what you want, really. If you want to fight for your ideas, find a company that you have space for expressing ideas and building them. And what can more senior mid-level managers do to promote building this space for everybody to share their employee engagement? Like how can companies, startups, improve their own employee engagement? Uh, there is one element that I love uh, is I think the, the best way for me to create a healthy environment of people sharing is to embrace your own mistakes and your own stupidity. Often mean to high uh, management is so serious that you never know what happens behind the curtain and all the stupid decisions they've taken and all the wrong thing they did and all the... Yeah, how bad they could be because everyone is good some days, everyone is bad some days, but if you don't share this, people will just think that they have to be good all the time and they will be super scared to express ideas. But if you show uh, to others that, yeah, you're okay. I mean, you're a human being and sometimes you wake up in a shitty mind and you make poor decisions. Oh, okay. Then I can maybe express an idea that might not be the best one, but it will be accepted. So it's all about openness. Is the case for a lot of subjects in life. It's just if you show openness and the will to receive information without judging, then you can, I would say, enhance uh, the, the, the capacity of your teams to express themselves. Okay. And then you mentioned that if, if it's not working, maybe you should find a different company that values your, your opinion more. How can somebody gauge how engaging a company is before joining or what should they look for when they're joining a new company? To me, that's the, that's the most difficult part. I often compare like uh, getting a new job with dating. It's the same, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, you have certain criteria that you want and then at some point you need, you need to decide and to go for it. And it's your ability to evolve, to understand and to change that will guide the long-term relationship that you have with your company or with, with any partner. But the biggest problem being in relationship or in the world environment that people are not really honest with the factors. So in companies, it's going to be, oh, we are the most ethical company ever. And the better the marketing, the poorer the measure to make it actually ethical. And it's the same as relationship. You know, when you, when you can't believe a picture, you know, you have to dig a bit deeper. And that's my advice. You know, dig deeper. Understand who the people are. Look on LinkedIn, who is working uh, for this company. Maybe contact 
kind of these people uh, to have like a pre-interview with them and ask them about, okay, uh, how is it to work day to day in this company and not just on paper? Uh, because there are many cases of company that sell a dream from the outside, but are actually a nightmare from the inside. And on the contrary, companies that seems very boring and in the end, they are pretty entrepreneurial. They leave space. And we, we see it in the luxury retail, for instance. Some company, they seem super boring, uh, very attached to like old principle. And actually, no, they cultivate entrepreneurial spirits. They're just, they are very bad with HR branding. Mm-hmm. Because all the money is thrown into like marketing branding, client orienting branding. People, I think it's getting better. But so far, people don't spend enough uh, time, money and resources into HR branding and like authentic HR branding, not just, oh, we have to promote women this year. Oh, we have to promote LGBT this year. So we are going to have to like take measures because it's the trends. No, no, no. What is your DNA? What does your company mean? Because people want to join values much more than they want to join a company for money-making purposes or for product. It's, uh, we never have to forget that. We spend like most of our week at work. Yep. So if it's not aligned with our values, and if we're not honest with our values in interview, warning young people, <laughs> uh, be honest with your value, values as well. If you, if you feel that it's not sticking to your values, there is a problem. There is a much deeper problem that if the product is not really what you want, you, you rather sell toothbrushes in a company that fits your values rather than your favorite product in a shitty company. So, so then after you do your digging, you, you're like, you're okay with the company. You heard good stories from the employees and then you get to the interview. How, what kind of questions can you ask to get more of a insight into, okay, is this company for me? Is this company aligned with my values? I would say one good question is like, what is the first priority of the company? Uh, in my previous world, there were two different combat. I mean, two major different companies. The first one would be product oriented, which means that it's luxury. So uh, the most important is the product. We care about the product. It's really what we're selling. We're paying attention to it. And our whole mission is to be to deliver a fantastic product. And on the other side, you have profits. Why do we do luxury? Because they are rich people and we need to take their money. So then it's very different. And you see that employees attracted to the profit-oriented companies and the product-oriented companies are not the same at all. So I think asking about the values, asking about like the mission, and also asking, I think it's okay to ask to a person what uh, their daily life looks like in the company, what they like the most uh, in their position, what they like the least, because you're going to start to create a conversation. An interview from the beginning is not a conversation, it's an interview. But if you manage to create a conversation, because in the end, you're in front of a human being and he has the same problem as you every day in his life or in her life. So it's just, you know, trying to break the ice and start a conversation to understand deeper who the person is. I'm going to throw that question back at you. What is your day-to-day life like in your Albert? Uh, there is no, like, what, what I love from this adventure is that there is no really day-to-day. Uh, I have my day-to-day routine that I respect, but I always love surprises. I love when it changes. And what I really want to create is a space where people can do things 
take decisions. I always said at the time I had my first employee, this was not my company anymore. It was our common adventure. Uh, and I really want, and I hope I'm the CEO, so I can't really tell if I'm really doing it or if I think I'm doing it, but to create a culture where people can take their own decision, they can take the risk, they can express their ideas and they can bring us together toward whatever success means, which to me, success means that I've been creating employment for people uh, and a space for them for the last six years. And that's the biggest achievement for me. Uh, we love the product, of course, but our product is not our company. Our product is our company for the clients. But within the company, the most important is the spirit that we have. The fact that I smile when I go to my office in the morning, I love to chat with my people. We have lunch together. And that's, that's the most important of my day. That's how my day look like is really like just being with uh, my team and sharing with them and uh, achieving something together. So what's the thing you like the least about your company? That I have to work on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are many things. I mean, there is many, many things I don't like. And honestly, it's not an easy ride. And I would never say that it's fantastic and whatever because it's bullshit. And I don't want people to believe that being an entrepreneur is amazing and you have smiles every day. No, uh, I mean, I hate doing finances, but I have to do them. Uh, I don't like investor relationships as well, but I have to do it. So it, there is a lot of things that as a CEO and founder, I have to do that I don't appreciate, but I'm trying to look at the, the mission further. The re, you know, remind me that if I don't take care of the finances, for instance, we won't have a company anymore. So I don't have the smiles in the morning anymore. And then I'm like, okay, then it's Tuesday, it's 8.30, you have until 11.30 and you don't talk to anyone and you work on your bloody Excel sheets. So it's just, you know, going over the, 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 the painful aspect of my work. Why do you think there's this misconception that entrepreneurs have such a luxurious life? It's so great. Where does that come from? Instagram? <laughs> no, it's, I think it's like human relationships, you know, Always, everyone tends to uh, give the right side of the story. You don't want to talk about your pains. You don't want to talk about your anxiety. You don't want to talk about the nights where you couldn't sleep because you were thinking of this presentation. No, you just talk about your successes, the contracts you've signed, uh, your fantastic team, uh, your beautiful office. And that's just what you talk about. And to me, today, in the end, maybe it's changing, but I, I see a lot of success stories but I don't hear a lot about all the hits that happen on the road. And I think it's, if we want to have true relationships with people in the work, we have to be honest about this because otherwise, once again, people won't think that they can fail. They won't think that they can make mistakes because they look at people who seem to never make mistakes. Uh, so yeah. How do you think we can change this, this mindset to promote more openness? I mean, as entrepreneurs, as founders, as CEO, but also as HR directors, sales directors, all the people that are handling teams, it's very important to share and to share honestly a lot of things that are happening instead of just saying, no, no, I'm not going to share this because I don't want to look weak. Uh, I don't want to look stupid. No, of course you are weak and you are stupid as well as you are amazing and you are brilliant in a lot of aspects of your life. But you have to recognize that yeah, you don't make always the right decisions. 
you make actually very poor decisions. So just say it, you know, share it simply. And as I mentioned for the interview, create real conversation with your people. Don't talk to your people because, oh, I have to do this performance review, so I'm going to take this guy for coffee. But, you know, he onboarded six months ago and I never talked to him. No, it's not the thing. Try to create convers meaningful conversation with people. I still hear people tell me that they don't say hi to their coworker in the morning. They just enter and they go to their desk. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, wow. we're, we're like human beings and human beings are always in looking for connections. And if you don't create an environment where you feel there is connections, you will just create an environment where you have closed bubbles next to each other but never communicating. So that's, I think that's our mission, you know, like creating connections within the workplace. Red flags um, for applicants when they're interviewing. So maybe the HR person, you're asking about the company. Of course, we're going to say the company is great. We're not going to say, oh, we have a, an issue with something like not saying hi to each other. So what, what are some red flags that you can think of when applicants are interviewing? I mean, on both sides, it has to be respect. If there is one element that makes you think that this person is not fully respectful, being to you or being to anyone in the company, that's a red flag. Someone criticizing another or the HR saying that the one before you was really bad. You know, these kind of little details that if you hear in the conversation that there is not full respect of the other, whatever happens, you know, you can criticize a lot, but in a respectful way. It's just that if there is something that is just not respectful to me, that's the biggest red flag. After, everything is relative because you'll get to know the people anyway, step by step. But to me, the, the, the base value for my company and being for my company, my friends, my life in general, is just about respect. The rest, I don't want love for you from you. I don't want like total dedication. Uh, I understand you have a life and I'm not expecting anything about that. The only thing I'm, I'm expecting from everyone is respect. You have experience in luxury retail. You're still dealing with luxury retail. What advice or tips do you have for people who want to go into this industry? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, do I want to recommend this industry? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to love it. I, wouldn't, I would say that it would be a bit challenging for me to really answer these questions because it's changing a lot. And it has changed a lot since I left. I think it was still very traditional uh, when I was uh, back in the luxury retail and mentality are changing a lot. I would say you want to be dedicated uh, because you're in a world of passionate people that are really dedicated to their work. And it's a lot of work, often not the industries where you're going to get the more money, for instance. So ask yourself the questions. Are you going to luxury retail because it's glamorous? Ah, maybe not the good choice because from the inside is not that glamorous because you're not here to purchase the product. You're here to build the whole industry behind the product. So if you love luxury good, don't work for luxury brands, for instance. Uh, if you're passionate about the product, for instance, then pick your company very carefully to once again, I was meant, I was, as I was mentioning before, select a company that is product oriented and not profit oriented. Or you want to be part of one of the most successful industry uh, that has been through every crisis uh, that usually gets ups and downs and ups and downs, but always stays because anyway, there will always be luxury products. It transforms over time, it changes, but luxury will remain. So 
it's all about once again what do you want do you want the experience the experience of luxury do you want the product of luxury do you want the glamorous of luxury what do you want from this industry and then just try i mean i was always an advocate of internships uh, when people tell me i'm going to do this master and then another master and then maybe this before i go to uh, work and i was like have you done any internship during your studies no i went on exchange whatever and i went on this program and so okay so you never worked so how come you could know what you like when you never tried it so uh, to me the, the 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 first advice is to really try it. like do as many internship as possible during studies and start with something you know my first interview actually was for a pr job mm. and the hr was so good and i love her for that she was like Antoine, i'm not sure you're going to be very good with pr we are going to place you in uh, product development and that was much oh, wow. better and then i met the pr team and i was like oh god i would never have like been in pr for luxury because that was a world that didn't really talk to me but i don't know me i just wanted to have a job in the luxury industry because i was dreaming about the luxury industry especially christian Dior, which always been my favorite uh, house uh, and i didn't care about the job but i had a good hr but even though i would have been in pr i was like even product you know product i was like Good. I still want to work for Dior, but I definitely don't want to work for product uh, development anymore. And I moved to uh, operational marketing and sales, which I loved, but it took me a bit of time. So try it. Try as many internships as yes. you can. That's awesome. Um, it's really good to, yeah, just experiment, see if it's for you. Um, but for those people who end up not doing as many internships, is there any other aspects where they can figure out if um, a job or industry is right for them? No. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I don't have an answer to that because me, I didn't know. You know, I started the same. You know, I started in luxury industry, then went into tech when I, wouldn't, I had never developed anything. I'm not even a gamer and I'm in tech, you know, which is I, I'm out of all stereotypes about tech, but I love it. So who knows, once again, it's not really a question of industry. To me, okay, that, that's still personal, but to me, it's absolutely not a question of industry. It's a question of company. And it's the question of the people who uh, build and entertain the company. It's uh, our common friend, Mathieu, actually uh, told me once, you know, the role of the CEO also means uh, chief entertaining officer. Yes, I've heard uh, that. Yeah. So that's, that changed a bit my, my perspective on that because that's also, yes, of course I have values, but if I don't cascade these values by entertaining the team and showing it very often, it doesn't work. But today, honestly, I could sell tobacco with the same people, even if it's one of the ugliest industry. It's not really a question of the product you're selling, it's the people you're working with every day. Mm. And of course, if you go to an industry that is very specific and attracts very specific people, you still can have an ID. You know, if you don't like making money at all, or maybe don't go to finance, you know, jobs, because usually people are there to make money. If you want to uh, like foster green initiatives, maybe don't go work for like an oil company or like there is basic things that you have to think about. Okay, what is my motivations? Uh, why am I looking for a job? Very important questions, for instance, do I want to do a nine to five 
or am I ready to spend nights over thinking on a like strategic plan with the founder? Because he loves to have ideas from young people and he loves to work in between 10 o'clock and three o'clock. And so I, I might do that, but do I want to do it? Or like, it's okay to like a nine to five as well. I had employees like this. And at some point, uh, me too, I added some more structure within the company because we've always been very flexible. And some people, they really need to know at what time they need to be in the office and at what time they have to leave the office. So it's all about understanding the culture and then within the company, asking questions about what you do, what you can do, what you cannot do, what is the purpose, what do we do here, and so on. So speaking on your, your own company, you have been recruiting recently, your team's around four, five yep. people. Do you, what, what do you look for in a candidate? Like what, what stands out to you? What scares you? What tells you, okay, this person's definitely not a good fit. Actually, I'm not very good with hiring <laughs> and I, I don't quite like the exercise. Uh, the latest recruitment I did, I went through a recruiter. Uh, because usually I am a bit too, uh, maybe into like personal and communication rather than really checking also, uh, performance factor because me, I'm always like, yeah, I want to work with people I like, and it's so fun and join the, yeah. but at some point you still don't get the work done, you know? So, uh, I have to say, I wouldn't say I'm bad at hiring, but I'd rather have someone by my side that is also able to check on, okay, the mission. Uh, why are you here? Are you experienced enough? You know, sometimes I go into an interview and I don't even have read the CV properly. You know, I know the background of the candidates, but I'm like, okay, let's go uh, see what this, who this person is, you know, because I'm so, I'm, I'm a bit fascinated with like personalities and people. So I will ask questions and I would like a, lo a lot of questions, but sometimes I was like, ah, I didn't ask if he could like, uh, roll out a sales strategy or something like this. So, uh, <laughs> Maybe Antoine, there is things you need to think of. And uh, so, yeah, I can't really say for the HR process because I know I'm not really the best at uh, hiring and uh, I really trust uh, the HR positions for that. HR that usually come from operational. I would never trust HR to hire for my company if this person never worked as an operational person or never worked in a startup. Same, uh, if you're looking for a job and for instance, you're meeting some headhunters or recruiting agency, you need to understand where these people come from. Uh, because if they never worked in the industry you're targeting or the company type you're looking for, they won't be able to help you because they don't understand this company. So they will just look at, okay, keywords. Uh, he has three, five years experience, marketing sales. What do I have here? Okay, this, okay, I'm going to put him here. Mm -mm, doesn't work. Uh, so, yeah. That's definitely good advice for both the applicant and the company yeah. hiring. I mean, it's a lot of great tips and advice today. Um, thank you so much for sharing, Antoine. Where can the audience, the listeners connect with you and learn more about your company? Uh, thank you very much for having me, Thomas. Um, I would say the best is to reach out to us. Uh, you always can check our website, youralbert.com. Uh, uh, we have a LinkedIn page. Not everything is up to date at the moment because we have switched a lot this uh, model during uh, the, the last year. Uh, I would say the best, if you have questions, is just to contact one of our team members. Uh, you're interested in a, in a position, you want to learn more about Youralbert, grab your LinkedIn, connect with us and send us a message. We'll be very happy to, uh, to reply to you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you.